Derek Falvey is the Twins' chief baseball officer, and uh, he's always been great to the show since being hired about 10 months ago, and he joins us right now. Uh, busy time for you guys. It's You said about, what, 8- or 10-hour turnaround, and then you guys were negotiating uh, Molitor's contract after that game against the Yankees. You know, I think Paul said it was uh, it was ten hours. I, I think it was meaningfully less. <laughs> it was uh, we landed about five o'clock in the morning. I tried to get a few hours of sleep, and we met for lunch. So it was uh, whatever time that was uh, was when we started down the path. Um, is it? I, I'm going to ask you this. I, I said this in our last segment. Is it odd for either you or Malvader in that? There is a pretty wide age difference and experience level. He's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. I have to imagine you come in with your viewpoints about baseball from you know different walks of life, and he has his. Has that been challenging, or to what degree has that been challenging since you took over the job 10 months ago, just collaborating with that dynamic? You know, I, I wouldn't say the age has played much of a role. I've been very fortunate uh, in my baseball career to work with some senior baseball uh, leadership managers, coaches, or otherwise um, that have, you know, certainly the age gap, I think, is is normal given you know, my age relative to a lot of senior baseball men, and uh, I feel very fortunate that we were able to build the relationship we did, and I don't think that played much of a role. We were we were very lucky to uh, hit it off and and have a, a good good sense of communication right from the get go. What was your uh, thought on Paul when when you got the job versus what you've learned in the past year in uh, in working with him on a daily basis, Derek? Well, I, I think I came into it um, knowing a little bit about who he was as a player. I think you'd need to have uh, lived under a rock uh, to, to not know that. But I, I didn't know him personally at all. I didn't know, uh, certainly knew some people who had uh, been around him or teammates of his, so had talked with them. And what they said was that he's a very thoughtful baseball man, I mean, very instinctive, you know, someone who understands the game when he was playing at a very deep level. So I was excited to get to know him uh, and to get to build a, a relationship and a partnership. And over the course of time, I think that only deepened. I learned more about his feel for the game and understanding of things at a deeper level, but also what maybe um, I don't I want to say surprised me, but I was very happy to see was just how open-minded and, and creative and how collaborative he was during the course of the season. What's your, your uh, thought going into a situation like that, too, as far as what you're going to try and share with a guy like Paul and tell him what you think and what should be done? Versus how much you then sit back and say, now t- tell me what you think. How, how does that work? You know, I, I think that those there's no one blueprint for how you build that kind of relationship. I, I think all of those are... Uh, they, they're built off of the foundation of trust. And, and Paul and I, you know, from day one, said, let's make sure we keep everything on the table. Let's not you know, hide things from one another in terms of uh, different discussions where you know, there's, there's a disconnect in terms of alignment. And you have to feel your way through those. I think you know, building the relationship requires a lot of time spent in communication. And I spent every day in his office you know, or on the phone with him to try and get deeper around decisions with, the, with this club. And um, over time, we just continue to, to build it and build a bond, and I feel very fortunate to have him as a partner. Uh, one thing that, that's been pointed out, and I'd love your thoughts and your philosophies on it, uh, uh, bunting. Paul Molitor has, has, has either called for more bunts or the Twins maybe just bunting for, for hits on their own, whatever it may be. The Twins have bunted more than I believe most, if not all, American League teams in 2017. What are your general philosophies on bunting in 2017? 
You know, I, I think there's it, it's all situational specific in my mind. And so one of the conversations that you can have, I think sometimes the aggregate numbers can be misleading. But when you have someone like Byron Buxton, who, you know, can, it's a weapon for him to, to gain uh, additional hits or other guys who maybe have a feel for when to, to get on base. I think, you know, the sacrifice bunt and how often that's used, I think there's probably some dialogue that's been made public around that and how frequent it gets used and the impact. I, th- I can tell you that we've had open dialogue about that and other strategies through the course of the year. Uh, I do think there's a feel element to when it's the right time, but uh, by and large, you know, these are conversations that we'll continue to have around game strategy, and I'm, I'm confident Paul's open-minded to different ideas around those spaces. Like, is it as simple as saying that you should never sacrifice bunt if you want to score the most runs? or Because or, or, I, I know that that's been a belief ever since the book Moneyball came out, that you're just wasting outs and... But then other managers would tell you or other baseball people, your goal is to is to 162 times reach a checkpoint and have more runs than the opposing team. So um, it's I suppose there's a big clash there in terms of philosophy of 100 years of moving runners over. And then a book comes out to the public 15 years ago. Now there's debate over it. Yeah, I think I think anytime I always get uh, a little bit concerned when I hear a blanket statement of never this or always that in yeah. baseball. I just think that can be that can be dangerous. And there are certainly situations you know, around um, bunting and who's on the mound and what the matchup is that might be of value. You know, and so I I don't believe that there's ever a one size fits all approach. I, I don't think we gain um, anything in terms of recognition for just having the most aggregate runs on a year. As you said, the goal is to win as many of the 162 as you can, and there are certain situations where it, it makes sense to have that call. How much a pushback do, do you get from old-school ball guys still? I mean, is there qu- quite a bit as you as you try and bring your thought processes? Do you still get, uh, well, we've always done it th- this way in baseball, or is that becoming less and less as the game evolves more in the last you know 15 years or so? I think as an industry that's becoming less and less, uh, mostly because you know, uh, there's a recognition that information is available to us, and it's critical that you know, it's not just opinion versus opinion. Let's root some of these conversations in evidence and in fact. And I think when you can have a dialogue with somebody about and really explain the why behind um, a certain rationale, uh, it makes for a lot more productive dialogue, I think. And, and, and more and more we're seeing that. That's our charge. That's what I, I ask of our people is to always just explain the rationale and the why behind what we do. If we can do that, you know, we'll have some productive conversations. Uh, Derek Falvey, Twin CBO, is with us here on Mackie and Judd. Uh, we got into a big discussion last week about you know the, the biggest difference, I think, between, let's say, the NFL and coaches on an NFL staff versus baseball. You draft amateur players in the NFL and in the NBA, and your professional, co- your major league coaches, so to speak, are molding them right from the get-go, right from college or or in some cases in the past in the NBA right from high school. But in baseball, you might not see a major league pitching coach or hitting coach might not get to work extensively with a player drafted for four or five years. So with that said, how impactful and what type of an impact can, let's just use pitching coach because that's the job that you're looking to fill. What impact can a major league pitching coach have on the developmental process of you know, whatever it may be, a 23-year-old Brios who comes up through the pipeline. I think if you're working uh, as optimally as you can as an organization, that person has a, a huge role in what we're doing uh, or in terms of development process, our, our ideas around it. I think you have opportunities in spring training to have some of your major league coaches around some of your youngest players. It's critical in my mind that for us to be successful, we have to have alignment in our uh, selection and development processes all the way up through the major leagues. And our 
major league pitching coach is going to be integral uh, to that conversation, as is our minor league pitching coordinator and any other uh, roles that we have to fill throughout the minor league. So we're going to have uh, we're making sure that each and every day we're thinking about what our program looks like and mm-hmm. making sure that we get people that align with that program. Our, our coaching chef uh, ch- uh, staff change is done, Derek, and how, how tough was that to uh, make the uh, change with Neil? It's always difficult uh, when you when you have to make a, a decision to go in a different direction. I mean, we, we were talking about relationships and you know, human beings and people who are a part of something. And uh, when you make that call, it's you know it's my responsibility to make sure that we have dialogue about making this team and this organization better. And that was what we decided in this particular case. It's our expectation that the remainder of the staff uh, returns. But I think that uh, in terms of you know, how the offseason plays out every year with changes and openings in different spaces. Uh, we obviously wouldn't uh, be able to confirm that until a little bit later on through the offseason. Uh, we, we were just saying earlier in the in the show how interesting it is that the Twins for a long time had an insulated pipeline. They would hire from within, and they and they didn't do a whole lot of you know moving out of that pipeline with their baseball ops. And now now that you come in from Cleveland, Thad comes in from Texas. You guys have made a couple other hires. We want to ask you about. Uh, it feels like the Twins are pulling from a lot of different areas, and and we tend to like that at least on this show. Tell us about this Jeremy Zoll uh, that you pulled from the Dodgers and then Daniel Adler, who's worked with the Jaguars. He's worked with uh, the Cleveland Browns. I saw he was an intern for the Patriots at one point, like 12 years ago. What can you tell us about those two additions? I think, you know, we're naive if we think in baseball that uh, within our own circles is the only group of people uh, who can help us get better. My view of this is, and we've talked about this before, Phil, that development is so critical, you know, moving forward around young people and, and, and what we're doing developmentally through the organization, there are great ideas about how to apply those uh, from other sports, from other uh, opportunities outside of sports. So in, in Jeremy's old, we felt like we targeted and acquired a, a really dynamic uh, person who can bring in some ideas from an organization that has been incredibly successful in the development of young players, someone who came highly recommended from some people who worked with him and around him. And then in Daniel Adler, someone who I, I had a relationship with really going back about eight years now, who I had met and stayed in contact with, uh, who's had an impact, I mean, a major impact in some different spaces, really outside of sports and in the NFL. So someone who we think we can gain some perspective from uh, who will make an impact around our research and development decisions. It's an exciting time for us. We'll continue to find people to add to our group of baseball operations personnel and and move us forward into uh, the next phase of Twins Baseball. What do uh, folks who have worked outside of your sport bring? I mean, if you've worked with the Patriots or Jacksonville or something, what what ideas can they bring that, that perhaps you say, I didn't think of that, but I like it? Well, it's a fresh take, a fresh set of eyes on a very similar type of uh, of challenge. You know, we're all trying to win championships, beat other teams, you know, improve our decision making in uh, amateur drafts and free agency. And in the NFL, they have to do that. Uh, in the NBA, they have to do that. In any sport they work in. So I think that you know, selection sometimes you can learn a lot from uh, the high end groups of the military in terms of how they go about selecting the best of the best. I, I think these things extend far beyond um, just. The um, just just our baseball world. We can learn about development from a lot of different people in a lot of different spaces. Uh, Derek Falvey, what does Miguel Sano need to do? It feels like there's more of a ceiling there, and he's you know he's still fairly young. Uh, what does he need to do to maybe fulfill some of the borderline MVP caliber player expectations that we've all sort of cultivated the last several years? 
I think, you know, first and foremost, it's health. I think this year, you know, the second half of the season was very disappointing for him. Uh, certainly you know, a difficult uh, moment for us when he went down and not sure when he'd come back. I will give a ton of credit to Eduardo Escobar, who stepped up for us in a big way in, in his place. But Miguel needs to make sure that he's in a good position to, to get through a full season. And we'll focus this offseason on making sure that's, that's an opportunity uh, for him. But beyond that, we know the talent. It's immense. He has a, a great deal of ability. He's, he's made great strides, we feel, at third base and the quality of his defense and continues to approach uh, his offense in a way that's in a, a maturing way. So I think the sky's the limit, as you mentioned, and, and we'll continue to support him to, to get him to be successful. Ideally, uh, Derek, how do you get him to get that, though? I, I mean, you, you can sit down and talk to him and stress things to him, but, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy who, who you're going to have a conversation with and say, you can be a Hall of Fame talent or just a good player. How do you convey that, especially with a young person like Miguel, to give you the best opportunity for him to understand how good he can be? I think it comes from multiple avenues. I think you have to work certainly with your coaching staff and those who work closely with him on a daily basis. I think you need to, we talked earlier about explaining why you know some of the work that he does is so critical moving forward. I think you need to work with his representatives and agents and those who you know, can influence him in a positive manner. So it's a, it's a multifaceted approach that we'll continue to take with Miguel uh, to ensure that he continues to get better. And we're going to do that for every player. That's not just Miguel, but that's our goal is to create the environment and foster a culture that continues to move him forward. Uh, Kyle Gibson made 12 starts from July 22nd to the end of the year, and uh, and he held opponents to under a 700 OPS for OPS people out there. Very respectable earned run average. Just looked like a different, more competitive, bat-missing pitcher. Blip on the radar or something that, that maybe maybe Kyle Gibson turned a corner? Well, I think you know we talked at the time when Kyle um, went back to the minor leagues and and had you know, a chance to kind of hit the reset button a little bit to to focus on the things we think he can control and we know he has we know he has ability uh, no no doubt on our minds we just need to make sure that we're getting it out of him as consistently as possible uh, and certainly we've had some ups and downs through the course of this year but we'll continue to find ways uh, through the course of this off season to make sure that we are uh, supporting continued growth uh, not all young pitchers progress at the same rate, and we're hopeful that we saw a lot more uh, positives in the second half that can be carried forward uh, for, for Kyle. Priority one for you for this team is what? Oh, well, we've got a number of um, early season priority, early off season priorities here uh, with respect to certainly the coaching staff and, and filling out and hires. Uh, free agency will come, you know, come at the conclusion of the World Series, and we'll certainly go down that path. But we'll leave no stone unturned with respect to how to improve this team. And there will be nothing that's off limits. Uh, we, we can't really say that anything we'd rule out because we, we need to make sure that we are evaluating each decision on its own merits. Ideally, impact bullpen arms, two of them? Well, I think for us, you know, if we're improving pitching, we're going to do it any way, shape, or form we can. Run prevention, we need to improve. We know that. We feel our offensive core has taken a nice step forward. Uh, but we'll find ways to improve defensively uh, and, and what we're doing from the pitching side, in, in whether it's bullpen or starting pitching. We'll, we'll have conversations about different options. Yeah, bullpens. I mean, you, you knocked the Yankees starting pitcher out in the first 10 minutes, and they ran three and a half hours of 100-mile-per-hour pitchers at you. Absurd. I, I 
I seem to remember that. I kind of try, I tried to blur out some of those 100-mile-an-hour pitches, but that, that might be the best bullpen in baseball. It's certainly a high bar uh, for any team to, to, to get uh, over, but uh, those are the goals. We need to continue to build the types of teams that compete with the likes of the Indians and Yankees and, and Astros and, and Red Sox, that Final Four. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, sir. Absolutely, guys. Great to talk to you. All right, Derek Falvey, Twins Chief Baseball Officer.